you might not know this because the banner wasn't put up because it on back order. Um, but we are celebrating 40 years of ministry as the Alliance Church here in Quartzsite starting this year. It's a whole year we're going to celebrate it. And so um, you don't have to clap for that. Um, thank you. Um, so, but um, I want, so for the next year, we're going to be celebrating 40 years. And for the next four weeks, I'm going to walk us through um, some things about the Alliance. And so just to start us off, um, the year is about 1880, 1881, and the Second Industrial Revolution is re revolutionizing everything in the Western world. We're having um, mass communication throughout the world now. You're able to get through places a lot faster. Um, the whole United States is being connected by railways. Uh, the West is being tamed around the same time. You have the shootout at the OK Corral. Um, and so the West is being tamed. And now all these stories are coming back to the big cities of New York and, and everything on the East Coast. And finally, those Westerners are becoming civilized, right? Um, and they're still trying to civilize us. Um, it's still not working. Um, but you come back and then in New York, New York, you have a pastor and he's wandering the streets um, as ships are coming in, being one of the, the most important ports in the eastern United States, ships are coming in and immigrants from all over the world are coming to experience the American dream. And so as they're coming in, he gets this idea of, you know, they need to hear the gospel. And so he goes back to his church, which is an upper middle class church, one of the biggest churches, it's a Presbyterian church, one of the biggest churches in um, in New York at the time, and he goes before them and says, God has put it on my heart that we need to reach these immigrants. And they tell them, that's a great idea. Do it on your own time. Do not let them into our church. And they said, you, at the most, what you can do is you can, um, you can have a separate service or something like that, as long as it's not with us. And so that breaks his heart. He says, well, let's, whoever wants to be a part of this vision of God, why don't you come and we're going to meet together. And the story goes that only seven people show up. And so they leave and they start what will eventually be called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And that's kind of just a, a, a real brief of the most important moment in our history as a denomination. And from there, fast forward to today, now there are about 25,000 churches. Um, there's roughly, I think they said about 6 million um, people that attend these churches. And um, these churches are in 180 languages across the world, 180 languages uh, and dialects across the world. And so that all started with these eight people capturing the vision of God to just to reach the immigrants that were coming off the boats into the U.S. And I share that with you because the vision of God to do what he wants for his people is extremely important. And so we have verses like Proverbs 29 that probably you've heard when people say, well, there's a vision of God. Well, this proverb, this is what it says. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. This 
idea of wherever there's not vision, the people perish, the people, the people of God perish, comes within a disciplined passage. A passage that is saying, look, you need to be disciplined. The Father disciplines the Son. And so it has this disciplined thing. And in the middle of it, it has this, and if you don't have vision, if you don't have God's prophetic vision, then you perish. You're without restraint. You're away from God. And so this idea is full throughout the, the, the scriptures of God gives his people vision that they may work out his plans, that he may work out his plans through them. And so you have the idea that if we don't have God's vision fully in our, in our sights, if we're not following that, if we're not doing it, we're going to perish. We're going to live without restraint. We're going to live undisciplined lives. And so we can see this throughout the scripture. So for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at vision. We're going to start with what vision is, and then we're going to move through the next three weeks about a building, how we build on vision, how we can mess it up, because that is the common thing that happens throughout the scripture is God's people not doing God's vision. And then finally, how do we move forward? Because we're celebrating 40 years. Who knows if we have 40 more years, right? God might come back tomorrow. Jesus might return tomorrow or he might return in 40 years. And so we need to know the vision of God and walk in the vision of God. All right. So let's start there. Let's look at other people through the scriptures who were given the vision of God. So we start in Genesis 128. How many of you are doing like a, a read through the Bible in the year? this year okay you're probably in genesis right now right so let's let's go through genesis just real quick genesis 128 god creates man and woman in genesis 127 right that we were created in the image of god right right after that he gives the vision his vision of humanity in this new created world it says and god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the living thing that moves on the earth. And so God gives his vision of what he wants from humanity. And he tells them, go out, utilize this place, explore it. This is his vision for humanity. But what we know is, as you read through, spoilers for those who are not at this point yet, um, humanity doesn't do very well. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. But they don't do very well, and so they come under judgment. And the judgment continues on, and we get to Genesis 6, and we get God fully judging the world. And so he's going to fully judge the world, and he finds one person that he's going to utilize for salvation purposes. And this goes to Genesis 6, 14. He, find, he sees Noah, and he gives him his vision of how he's going to save this family. And he says to him, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make your rooms in the ark, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And so he goes on to tell him how to build this ark. And so here's another, here's the vision of God to save this family. But it just doesn't end there. Then you go further down and now God's dealing with a very specific people. And we get to Abraham in Genesis 12, sorry, in verse 1. So in Genesis 12, 1, it's this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make for you a great nation. 
And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so now God's saying to this one man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring you to a place you don't know. And I'm going to do great things through you. And all the world is going to be blessed through you. So now God's vision has gone from everyone in humanity to now here's a very specific person that he's going to specifically going to work through. And then as you go through Genesis, you get different, smaller visions for each of these people. And then you get into Exodus. And now you have the Exodus of Moses. Let my people go. You get into the judges. And each judge is given a small vision of how to go about the business. You have um, Othniel. You have Ehud. You have Barak. All these guys get these visions of this is what you're supposed to do. You can also call it a calling. And so you have all these different things. And then you get into the monarchy. And then you get the, the prophets telling the people, look, if you continue down your way, God will, God will um, judge you. And that ends up happening. So the people go into exile and then they come back. All of this is started with God saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what I want to happen. And that's his vision. That's his, it's not a vision in the sense of, well, there's something there. It's vision as in, here's what's going to happen. This is what needs to happen. Right? So then it continues on into the New Testament. We follow that line. We did this with the, the offspring during Christmas. We follow that line and we get to Matthew. And in Matthew, we still see God giving vision, giving purpose, giving calling. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. As Mary has already been found to be with a child, Joseph is trying to divorce her quietly. And so he goes to sleep. And here comes an angel to give him God's vision for the child. And it says, the angel says to Joseph in the dream, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here's the vision of Jesus' life. That's his purpose. And so Joseph now is given this vision of what is going to happen. Jesus continues this vision idea with Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus gives a vision, the vision of his work. Okay, now if, let's stop right there. Do we understand what we're talking about in vision? We're not talking about um, things you see right like visions like you see something you see an angel the vision all right we're not talking about your eyes we're talking about the calling the purpose do we get that okay just want to make sure we're all on the same board all right because when jesus says it in luke 19:10 he says for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost this is the vision of his ministry and so this is what he's doing and so you have constantly through the scriptures God giving vision to what he's going to do and then he does it and so Jesus dies resurrects and then to his people to the church he gives vision and that's Matthew 28 so in Matthew 28 19 through 20 he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then we get something similar in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So now Jesus is saying, okay, here's my vision for the church. That you will go out, that you will share the gospel, that you'll make disciples, and you'll do this to the very ends of this world. And so now you have God's salvation vision that we actually talked about in Genesis 3.15 a few weeks ago. About how the hope is in the offspring. And that offspring is Jesus. And now He sends out His people to carry that message by their testimony to all nations. And so you have this whole thing, and that's where we are today, right? We're in the aftermath of that vision of God to go into all the world. And so 40 years ago, a little before 40 years, it's the late 1970s, and Quartzsite has become the RV and rock capital of the world. And now you have the little sleepy town in the summertime, about a thousand people. It skyrockets, they say, up to a million people in the, in the wintertime. How many of you were here back then? I ask that because there are some of you that were here in the 70s, and you got to see this craziness. How many of you have been coming to the court site since they had two lanes for 95 and two lanes for uh, Main Street? Anyone? They were just putting in those roads when I moved here. And so it was, and people today go, man, there's a lot of people. Think about this. When there was two lanes on 95, two lanes going, yeah. It literally took you two to three hours to get from one end of town to the other. It was crazy. Um, And before that, the dirt roads. (laughs) This was just paved. I think just a few years, right? Carol um, got to have dusty roads right here. And so a lot has changed since then. But what was going on in the 70s is you had this mass of people coming just like today. And they were coming out because it was a great place to go. It's supposed to be uh, warmer, right? It's supposed to be warmer. Um, It's supposed to not have the rain. Um, Yet we get all that today. And... People are descending upon, and it's cheap. You can live out in the desert for pennies of where you can live other places. And so it was a cheap place to be. It was a part of Yuma County at the time. And so it was just a great place because no one wanted to come here except when it was nice and warm. And so people would come here um, and not too hot. And at that time, as, as retirees are coming in, you have a, a swarm of younger families coming in as well because they're the ones that are going to take care of the older people right and we still see that today we have younger people coming in and then they go right back out they move just like the RVers and so we see this going on and what ends up happening is the Christians are starting to meet together as well and they build this this church uh, this church building and they start meeting together. And on a typical Sunday, you could have five to six hundred people meeting at this small country church, this desert church. Well, as things go, and we'll talk about more later, there are problems that end up happening. And one of those problems are the younger families. What do you do with these children? 
And the story goes that um, there was this fight within this small congregation of do we have the children here or not? And the families felt like they were not welcome there. And so they left and just started holding a Bible study just with these younger families. From there, it started to grow. And so we move into the 1980s, and all of a sudden, this small little group has become a big congregation. And the, the, one of the elders um, at the time, he had this house on the outskirts of town, and he gave it to this fledgling group as a meeting place. And that building is right next door. It was a small little house. And so they renovated it and became their, their meeting place, the, their church building. And if you go in there, you'll see where we have some chairs that are just put to the side. That was the Sunday school room. Um, a little different. We've modified it since then, but that's where it was. And then they started going, okay, as we're growing, we would like to be connected to a bigger group. And so they started looking around. And just by happenstance, obviously, um, they ran into an alliance pastor in Havasu. And that pastor came down, and his name was Jeff. And Jeff interacted with that elder, and you might know him. His name was Herb. Um, Herb's Hardware, if you guys remember that. And so they talked, and in 1984... That small little group decided we would like to be a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so in 1984, they launched as what we are today, the Courtside Alliance Church. And so that's just a little bit of the beginning. There's a lot more to it, but that's just a little story of how this little congregation became what we are today. And because of that, we're here. We're doing that ministry that was focused on the children the youth, and the young families of our town. And we're still doing that because that's the vision that God gave us. And so we're right there. And so this is what we're talking about, is God calling, right? He's calling His people to His vision. He's calling us to His vision. And when we mess it up is where we go, I want to do my own thing. But God gives us, and I'm going to say, He gives us one vision, but I'm going to, we're going to talk about is it three forms of that vision. Okay, the first form is the church as a whole. We already talked about that. Matthew 28, Acts 1, 8, right? This is God's vision for the whole church. So this is spans denominations, right? Those who hold to the gospel are the church, and that spans language, that spans borders, that spans um, social, social economic standings, all this stuff. The church is the whole world. Like, it covers the whole world. In fact, I was discussing it with a lady this week. Um, we were talking about the alliance. And I told her, what's interesting is, the last time I was told, is we have, in the United States, we have more non-speaking alliance churches now than we do English speech, speaking. Um, because we want to reach those that are unreached and one thing to say as we're having this this issue with the border right people that don't know the lord that don't have the gospel are coming to your door 
have an opportunity to share the gospel. You don't have to be a missionary that spends your life developing to go overseas now. Now, that, there are issues or other things about that that we don't need to get into. But at the very least, the world has come to us and we have what the world needs, which is the gospel. So the church, that's, its God, that's what it's supposed to be doing. We're supposed to spread the gospel. How's the church doing with that? Good, and I'm not, not talking about this local congregation. I'm talking about the church. Good and bad, right? And we'll get into the, the bad. But did you know, so we were at a conference one time, and they were talking about the, the different dialects and things like that. And they said, in order to get the, the gospel, we only have about 8,000 dialects left or something like that to get the gospel into their language. And so that's what, that's what, and at the time, is that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get into these 8,000 dialects. And so that is what the church is supposed to be doing. But God also has the ministries, the individual ministries. So like this individual ministry is a part of this. And our job in this vision of God to spread the gospel is to reach the unreached teens and children and families of Quartzsite. Like that's what our job is. And so in the past, we've had lists of teenagers from 6th grade to 18 years old, and we put them on these, this list to pray for them, and on one list, it's the never been reached by our ministry. And so we've never reached them with the gospel. And then on that, we make little marks of they're being reached by the First Baptist or by the assemblies. And you know what we say? God bless them. We don't, we're not going to reach out to them. We're going to reach out to the ones that have never been reached out to, to by any other ministry. You know why? Because those other ministries are our brothers and sisters, and we're not interested in trying to fight them or compete with them because they're our brothers and sisters doing the, the work that God has given them. So we're not interested in competing with our brothers and sisters at the Southern Baptist or at the First Baptist or at the community or Isaiah or assemblies or any other ministry in town that holds to the gospel that goes out. And so when someone comes to me and they say, I attend this particular ministry here in town, God bless you, work for them, right? Go and be useful in that ministry. We're not interested in sheep stealing. We're not interested in jumping congregations. We're interested in reaching the, the unreached people that God has given us to reach. That's our job. And that's what individual ministries are supposed to be doing. And so there's that. The final one is us as individuals. So us as individuals comes from places like this. This is what Paul talks about. Paul's talking about how good the love of God is and how we need to walk in the Spirit. And in the midst of that, in Romans 8.29, he says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so we are to be conformed to the image of the son. That's Jesus's vision. That's God the father's vision for his people is that we would be like in the image of Jesus, our savior. 
And so Jesus says it like this in John 5, 5, uh, 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, it is, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what's God's vision for us? To abide in Jesus because we can't do anything without him. That we got to get to that point of realization. Like that's where we're supposed to be. And then Paul says this in Galatians, Galatians 5.22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so what are we supposed to What's God's vision for us? To be conformed to the image of the Son. To be in the vine, right? And to produce fruit. And so, as individuals, we should be the most patient of any people in the world. We should be the most loving, the kindest, right? We should be self-controlled people, Right, We should have the Spirit's fruits in us. That's God's vision for us. And if we as individuals capture God's vision for us, that translates into the local ministries. That means I'm now going to utilize whatever God has for me in that particular ministry. And if we're all doing that in our local ministries, then what is the church doing? It's accomplishing its job, which is to share the gospel. So where does the vision of God start? It starts right here with us as individuals. That we say, I'm going to do what God has called me to. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with, hey, you know that other ministry down the road? They're doing really good, right? Man, I wish we could do better. You know what we need? We need better music. We need a flashier thing, right? We need this. No, no, no. You know what we need? To be conformed to the image of the Son. That's what we need. And when we're there, now we can start doing the other things. Now the ministry will be healthy because the people are healthy. And it's when we start getting off into whatever what our own vision is where we start seeing the problems, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. All right. But right now we need to get this understanding that God has his vision for his church and that goes everywhere, that goes local and it goes individual. And so we need to get to that point where we realize this is God's vision, that's where I need to go. All right? So, this is it. God's desire desires his people to be in his vision as the church Individual ministries and individuals so that his work of bringing the gospel to all nations will be done. Let me ask you a question. Who here would love to have Jesus come back like right now? Yeah? Okay. What if he doesn't come back for 40 years? Are we still doing the work that he has called us to? 40 years ago, do you think that those people that started this ministry that said this is God's vision for this local group you think they thought now you know what we don't want jesus to come back you think they thought that no No. i've talked to them okay before they pass away we only got a few left all right but i've talked to them i've sat with them 
They wanted Jesus to return then. But you know what? They still did the work of God. And so as we're talking about celebrating 40 years, you know what we're celebrating? Not just 40 years behind us, but 40 years in front of us. We're saying, God, you have done great work for the last 40 years in this particular ministry. If you call us to it, we'll do it for another 40 years. So that those people in 40 years will look back and say, look what God has done in 80 years. And we're going to prepare for the next 80 years. It's one of the things that sometimes I don't think people understand about this particular ministry. I want you to take a second and I want you to look down. I want you to look at the carpet. All right. If you look at the carpet, you're going to see runs in the carpet. You're going to see stains in the carpet. Don't look too close, but in the walls, you're going to see places where there have been patches because teens have gone through the wall. Um, You're going to see like over here, this there's this carpet right here and it's got big old gashes in it because we had some teenagers and they were supposed to cut out these these um cardboard shields for one of our vacation bible schools and i said don't cut them on the carpet go outside and cut them and then i had to go outside no this is long before you and i went outside i come back and here's one of the girls right on the carpet you know what though all of that means nothing it's sharing the gospel having people respond to it that's what the ministry is about and so it takes us forever to fix things here like seriously um since i've been here that bathroom has been a bane of my existence like there be times on sundays sunday mornings where i'll have someone come hey jeremiah Toilet's overflowing. In between services. Okay, I went and grabbed the um, plunger. Let's go deal with it. You know why we never fixed it? Because the ministry to our teens and our children and their families was more important than fixing that. You know the only reason why we're even fixing that dumb thing? Is because we had a sewage break. Like that's the only reason. If that we would have continued to patch and to patch and to patch until the Lord comes back. Like because the building stuff means squat. All this stuff is going to be gone eventually. So we don't care if it gets fixed as long as we're being as good stewards with it as possible as we minister in the gospel. That's why it looks like junk. <laughs> You know, that's why the, we haven't replaced the carpet. Because you know what? When it comes down to it and we go, what's more important? The ministry to our teens or fixing a, a carpet? You know what we go? Teens. teens. That's always, it's never. In fact, I can't get ahead of myself. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. Because, because of that stance, we've had issues. And we'll talk about that. But this is what I want you to understand. God gives a vision to His people. He's always done it. From the beginning to today, He keeps doing it, saying, this is what I want from you. Walk in it. That's where we're at. And so as the church, as an individual ministry, and as individuals, we need to be walking in the vision that God has. 
So here's my challenge for you this week. All right. My challenge is very simple. Go before the Lord and ask, am I in your vision? Am I fulfilling my part? As an individual, am I doing what you have called me to do? Am I conforming to you? Right? Am I conforming to the image of Jesus? The people around me, do they see the fruits of the Spirit that you want in my life? And I would even challenge you to go one step further in that and say, Lord, just one of those fruits from Galatians 5, right? Just one of these fruits. Lord, I want more kindness this year. Or more patience. Lord, develop that fruit in me so that in one year I can look back and say, wow, I can't believe I. last year I would have punched that guy in the face. This year I prayed for him. That's weird. You know? Lord, in one year I want, to, I want that fruit to develop so big that everyone around me sees it. So that I can point them to You that You would receive glory. And so... That starts at individuals. And then to the next level. Lord, am I being utilized in the, in the local ministry that You have called me to? And I'm not saying that's this ministry. Don't get me wrong. The Alliance does not have, we do not have the, the monopoly on God's vision. We don't. That's the Spirit's job. He decides all of that. And we just conform to whatever He wants. And so, God might be calling you to a ministry, maybe here in town, right? You come down, you might be a part of this church to to be a part of the um, Sunday morning worship, but then God might be calling you, hey, like we asked last week. Hi, put your hand down. Um, We'd be calling you last week, Navi. to minister at Isaiah 58. And I he- heard from people, they, it was a blessing to them. Like, if that's what God is calling, you better do it. Because that is what God is calling you to. Don't, under, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Jeremiah does not tell you where you are supposed to be in the ministry of God. You know who tells you that? It's God Himself. It's the Spirit leading you, okay? That's why I say, if... If it's your first time here when we when we pass the offering basket, that's why I say if it's his first time here, you don't know us, please don't give money to us because we don't want you giving to where somewhere that God doesn't want you to give. Okay? We want you to be a part of this ministry, but we also want you to be in the will of God. And so that might be that you come and attend and you're you're fed spiritually, but you God's saying, you know what? You can give to this other ministry. Does that make sense? It does not bother me at all. If it ever came to a point where the church was like, we can't pay you anymore, Jeremiah, you know what I would do? I would go get a job. Because it doesn't matter to me. My wife might be upset with that. But but it doesn't matter because it matters to be in the will of God, to be where He has us, than to be anywhere else. That's the local ministry part. The final thing is, Lord... Am I participating in the work of the church and sharing the gospel? So take that back, one step back, working in the local ministry. That might be um, preparing food on a Sunday morning for our kids or on a Friday night for our teens. That might be uh, something as simple as just praying for 
our teens, praying for those volunteers that have to be with them on a Friday night or on a Sunday morning. That might be going to Tony over here and saying, hey, what can I do to help prepare for a Friday night? You know, what do you need help? I can't be there, but I can prepare things. What can I do? Or going to Marika in the back who does a Sunday school and saying, what can I do to prepare for the Sunday school for the children? You know, you just come in and she says, oh, I just need you to just take this craft and just lay it out for everyone. It can be something like that working in the ministry. But then when we talk about the, sharing the gospel, that's when we're talking about reaching across to your neighbor to your friend, to your family member, and sharing the gospel in word and in deed. Just reading today in First Peter with our um, young men's Bible study. And in it, he's talking to the women. And he says, um, to the wives, he says, to honor your husband, and in so doing that he would come to know by your deeds. Like not even saying anything, just by what you do, that he may know Jesus. That's the implication. And so sometimes we do gospel ministry without words. But there have to be words eventually. And so we reach across the people. This is who Jesus is. This is why I, remember going back to Acts 1, you will be my witnesses. This is what Jesus has done for me. And I want to share that with you. That's when we are now doing all three. We're part of the global gospel movement. We're part of our local church, our local ministry that God has called us to, to do whatever He has for us in that area. And then we're on our individual, Lord, conform me to the image of Your Son. Now we're in the vision of God. Now we're where He wants us. In His will is another way of saying it. And so that's where we have. So I want to challenge you to go before the Lord and say, Lord, am I lacking in any one of these three areas? Grab me, shake me, and make me do what you would have me do so that I can bring honor and glory to you at each one of these areas. I could be in the vision of God. Because we're going to talk about how do we build that? How is that being built in our lives? How problems will come? that need to be overcome, and then how do we move forward in that, preparing for the next 40 years, the next 80 years, or whenever it takes for Jesus to come back. All right? Are we good? You ready to go do it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for today. I thank You for Your people, that You have saved them to do mighty things, that You take the ordinary and do extraordinary through them. And so, Father, I thank you for calling us into this, that we didn't earn it and we didn't um, make it ourselves, but you set everything up that we could just walk in it. So I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself that we would be people of your vision, not just a vision where we can go wherever we want, but we're in your vision that we would walk in conformity to the Son that we would walk in working in local ministries and that we would walk in doing gospel work. Father, I thank you because you empower us by the Holy Spirit to accomplish this and you do it on an individual basis that we would be better in the body of Christ, that we would strengthen each other. So I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
we're going to go into a time of communion. I forgot. Um, the reason the reason why we do communion after the message is because it's a time of response. Um, and so, as we pass the elements, if you just take in, just hold on to it, um, and take this time, a perfect time to talk with God about being in His vision. All right.